I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. We're the guys from That Film Stew, and this is our latest review, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. Directed by Jeff Rowe, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is the computer animated superhero film based on the characters of the same name, created by Peter Lard and Kevin Eastman. It is the seventh theatrical Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles film and a reboot of the TMNT series. The movie is in cinemas now, but if you haven't watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem yet and you want to, go watch it first before listening to our full review. We will be talking spoilers. Before we get into it, make sure you subscribe and download this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you can find us, and feel free to leave us a review. And follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Street Podcast. So, Jason, what is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem about? After years of being sheltered from the human world, the Turtle Brothers set out to win the hearts of New Yorkers and be accepted as normal teenagers. Their new friend, April O'Neil, helps them take on a mysterious crime syndicate, but they soon get in over their heads when an army of mutants is released, unleashed rather, upon them. I've never heard them refer to that before. The Turtle Brothers. I like it. It's very Mario Brothers. Like I feel it like when I, literally when I said that loud, I was like, "Yeah, we're it the Turtle Brothers." Yeah, it's it's crazy. You are combining the two. Um, in the opening, yeah. there, it is in cinemas. It is for us here in Australia, in the yeah. US, in the Fine. UK. I'm pretty sure it's been and gone. I know in the US, it's available for home release. You can purchase it digitally. You can watch it at home. They really made us wait for this one. Oh, and you know what? To be fair, on the day that we're actually recording this, technically, this movie still hasn't officially opened. Not yet. Not until the 7th of September. We're recording this before then. You might be listening to this past that day, but whatever. We obviously have gone and seen advanced screenings that luckily were out, you know, like the, the weekend prior, but technically still not out ridiculous it really is like i mean we've not looked into it clearly i'm sure there's reasons but we really really had to wait for it school holidays that's all it is they're just like we will put the movie out in line with school holidays but it's not even it's not even school holidays it's a a week early it's a week early two weeks yeah there's a good yeah no there's a good few weeks left before the school holidays so they've not timed in line with that at all but again then what are the reasons we don't know we can still complain though honestly i've been waiting for for this movie and i know you have as well so we've finally seen it you went to an earlier screening than me was it like an adult showing or something a late night show yeah it was a oh my god it was a it was a 9 15 p.m that's so late um an 18 plus event so if there was ever the fear of oh there's gonna be too many noisy kids in in the screening this wasn't this wasn't that therefore it was good. Whereas I went to a family fun day screening. It was <laughs> the complete half opposite. Ten, <laughs> half past ten in the AM on a Sunday. AM. <laughs> oh, that's rough. And how it was great kids, though. How were the kids, the atmosphere? It was Yeah, good, man. Yeah, it was um it was oh. a good audience. Um I took my youngest and there was face painting 
activities for the kids. You know, it was a lot sure. of fun. Uh, turtle masks, you know, the ninja masks, yeah. got one of each. Pretty, pretty happy with that. And, I, anyway. and I took my wife, who was over 18, <laughs> obviously, took her to that event. <laughs> but we've seen the movie. Let's uh, let's talk about the the actual movie. Got to start with the animation. Comparisons straight away. Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. And not too long after getting that, we got Mitchell's versus the Machines. Both those films, Sony, similar, not quite the same, but I think what people are talking about when they're saying the animation style is that it just looks different to a lot of the animation that is out there. What's interesting with this movie, director Jeff Rowe, he was a co-director on Mitchell's versus the Machines. But the style here and what they were going for is a slightly unfinished look. Like they wanted it to look like mm. a kid's drawing. So like some of the things aren't quite finished. Like some of the like explosions or effects in the movie look like unfinished uh, squiggles. So that's not exactly what we've got in Into the Spider-Verse, but I do get the comparisons that people are, are making here. I don't agree with people that are saying that, oh, this Turtles movie looks like a ripoff of Into the Spider-Verse. <laughs> that's not what's happening at all. I think it, people are noticing there's something different going on with this animation style. Yeah, look, even, even I mean, the comparisons are, I think, completely fair, especially between, like, Spider-Verse and uh, the Mitchells versus the Machines. But what those two movies are doing, uh, you know, it's, it's sort of breaking the mold of, I guess, like the, the animation that we've been used to. I mean, and moving past, obviously, like 2D animation into 3D, you know, like every animated movie to different degrees of quality, but they all pretty much have that same, you know, that computer animated CG look to them, which, you know, works and it's what we're used to. This is breaking that mold and showing that we can do something different. The similarities are there, but it's still very much a very different, like, look, like you said, like, you know, it looks like it's been sketched and there's there's just rough lines all over the place where Spider-Verse, like, it, it is very similar, but also very different at the same time. This looks really cool. The opening scene in this movie was where, you know, you know, like we've seen the trailers and we've got an idea of the animation. And we're like, oh wow, this looks pretty, pretty cool. But it wasn't until this opening, this opening scene, and there's this shot where it's like, it really delves into, you know, like we've got like this two D like cell shading kind of look. But then we're kind of we're kind of hovering. The camera's moving through a corridor, and then it kind of there's just so much dimension to what I'm looking at, and I'm just like, why does this feel so real yet also? like just ridiculously animated and just like so much expression it was it was crazy i was like wow this feels and looks like i'm on a ride like this is this is crazy and then from there like with a lot of the fight sequences and, and things that are happening like there's there's a lot that they delve into using this animation really looks just elevated the the story and movie that we're trying to give us Absolutely, it's, it's and the, great. Yeah, and the the characters, the designs, the movements of the turtles when they're in action, like especially shots where they're jumping high up into the air and they come back down mm. again. Just the and movement and the noises. look. That's, yeah, that's it. The great. movement, the look of the turtles. It's so so fluid, and obviously they couldn't do that in the nineties live action movies. You know the Jimmy Henson puppets. 
It's yeah. a completely, <laughs> it's a completely different thing. Even if you yeah. look at the TMT, no, the TMNT movie they made <laughs> a few years ago. I was saying a few years ago. It was like 2007, thereabouts. What? That's almost 20 years ago. Sure, yeah. Let's go wow. there. Wow, <laughs> long time ago. What was that but like? That was, but that was the last animated theatrical Turtles film before this one. Yeah, and obviously they've done, like, you know, made for made for home sort of animated movies, whether it's like the TV show adaptions and stuff like that. But yeah, and they did the to... the Batman team up. Mm. Yeah, the uh, Turtles Forever. So they've done them. There was a recent uh, rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. A movie that was on with the dinosaurs and stuff. That's a different oh, one. Was... There's been lots. I think oh, that's a different one. That was a preschool one. I think it was like a preschool toy line. The adapted oh, to right. movie it's available on Paramount Plus, but it's like a Gold short Bird. movie. Gold Bird, These turtles, I mean... though, kids, teenagers. Yes. For the first time in the history of the franchise, that if you think the very first adaption was the 1987 cartoon from then, until this movie, they've never had teenagers voice Teenage Turtles. It's never happened it's before. Kind of, it's like retrospectively, you're looking at it. It's kind of bizarre that it hasn't. But I mean, it it's almost the same with look at the history of television and movies when you have characters in high school. You know that you know it's getting a lot better now. But it's like they used to always be played by people in their 20s sometimes 30s you go back to greece you know uh, that guy's definitely 40 <laughs> like it's 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 been a bit of a curse of, of film and television but it's weird when you look back like the turtles have always been referred to as teenage you know it's in the title yet they've always been voiced by very adult sounding people and nothing that they kind of do ever really has been teenager like you know like they've been hip and cool and you know skateboard and eating pizza and you know defying their their dad like but nothing like this this movie it it delves into just like the teenage aspects of these characters that i don't know just work for me it just works so well in terms of the story that they were able to tell like a coming of age kind of you know almost a john Hughesy type of thing with these human turtle creature thing it's bizarre yeah. like watch Mate, this and i'm you're like right. what, are we, what are we watching here like is this Look 16 at the... candles or what What's <laughs> another john hughes reference let me just say very spewler i'm still well, struggling that probably to... would have been the one to go to actually <laughs> i'm still struggling <laughs> to get my head around seeing live action footage in a cartoon. I mean, we got it yeah, with yeah. the Lego Batman movie. You know, he's watching Jerry Maguire. Mm. And we get it here with with Ferris Bueller. And it, and it works, but it's jarring, and I guess it's supposed to be. But when you've got an animated film, and animated characters are experiencing something live action, but I guess it, it, it does gel with all the creativeness that is going into this movie. Yeah visually but going back to the the casting like just think go back to the 1990 movie as donatello the voice at least Corey feldman there was a a turtles cartoon from a few years ago 
leader of the Turtles, Leonardo, voiced by Jason Biggs. Jim for American Pie, and it's like, you know, again, like 50 now, like, (laughs) you know, as you say, actors that are always older, but we're getting actual teenagers. I mean, I think one or two of them, technically, by the time they finished the movie, were no longer teenagers, but for the most part, the making of this movie, yeah, they were, they were kids, they were teenagers who've got Mike Abbey as Donatello, he's the technician of the Turtles. Shaman Brown Jr. as Michelangelo, the youngest of the Turtles. Nicholas Cantu as Leonardo, the leader and eldest of the Turtles. And Brady Noon as Raphael, the muscle of the Turtles. So there you go. Four teenagers voicing Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. And look, to be fair, like, you know, one of them does sound a lot older than than the rest but obviously that turtle in particular obviously voice is broken good for him you know the one the one voice actor the, the one young voice actor brady noon is the only one that i recognize from something and it's the short-lived i'm a big fan of it that mighty ducks game changes tv show he was like the he was the main kid like the the son of the oh really Mum, yeah, so that's the, literally the only kid, like, you know, going through the cast, I'm like, okay, like, wow, okay, like, who are these kids? I didn't they know that. Else? And I'm just like, that's that kid, that's that He's kid from the kid ducks. from that is voicing the muscle of the turtles. I, I had no idea, I didn't recognize, yeah, he's obviously, any of the names. yeah, it's weird that it's like, he's Raphael, all right. <laughs> yeah, I like how he's obviously they, grown up, he's obviously gotten a little yes. bit older. I like <laughs> how they marketed this movie, Seth Rogen. Evan Goldberg, you know, producing partners. They've done The Boys for Prime Video, Preacher, and then, you know, all the comedies that Rogan's done. So they've worked together for for a long time. But the way they've marketed this, from permanent teenager Seth Rogan. They've been putting that on the posters. Yeah. And I think that's that's pretty cool. And something they brought to this, it doesn't tend to happen as much anymore. But they got the cast to record their voice roles together in groups rather than independent of one yeah. another, which mainly happens now. I think they were able to get up to seven at a time in a room. And that way, they get into ad lib, they get into to riff off of each other. And there's been there's been interviews with Rogan, he's been talking about how what essentially they were doing. So they'd written the script. And they're with the actors. Okay, so this is your line. Would a teenager say this? And like, you know, the, the actors are reading through it and it's like, well, this is how we would say that. And they're just rewriting it. Okay, so say it how you'd say it. Little things like that clothing that's been worn in the films. Like they're going to these actors saying, hey, what fashion, what labels or designs would you or your friends be wearing? So I like the fact that it's not just like a locked writing room of adults, you know, guys in the forties or whatever. Okay. So what would this kid say? They've actually consulted the teenagers working on the film, which I think is smart. And do you know what? I think, I think you're you're bang onto it. Like with, I think that really paid off because, you know, sometimes like when you, when you do watch it and and you're watching something with kids in it or teenagers and they clearly, it's been written by, you know, a bunch of, bunch of people in their 40s or, or, or more or whatever and it's kind of like ah, the jokes that they're kind of making you know in the 
from the perception of these younger kids or whatever, it's like, ah, it, it can clearly tell it's been written by someone older. There wasn't really a moment in this movie where I was like, oh, that, does, that doesn't feel authentic or that doesn't feel real. That, you know, like that felt like it was written by a 30, 40-year-old. I was like, oh, yeah, that, like, there were bits where I was like, I don't understand that because it's like young people. People, so confusing. Yeah, which, yeah, it just again, just like that whole aspect. I think they've nailed it. I think they've just literally nailed the teenager part. Of yeah, they really, they really have. Now I've said that I took my six-year-old to watch this. This movie, it was her introduction to turtles. She's not seen anything turtles before. Music-wise. <laughs> well she liked it she did she enjoyed it okay, but i was right. going to say music wise but it's interesting though because this is it like what we're here talking about right now that's her only exposure so that's it's her only point of reference anyway and that was pretty interesting we're in preparation in the car spotify the theme from the 87 cartoon and then on the way to the movie and she's like do you think they'll play your song because again my song i've been listening to it in the car and i'm like i think they will yeah they don't it's not even it's not i was i was waiting for i was like if they're gonna do it end credits you know like that's what i thought through my head everything sort of swells to a bit of a bit of a closure a bit of a fade to something and then suddenly credits you know like with that the at the very beginning of the you know the intro music where it's like it kind of ramps up I could just see it, and that would have been a, a big. Even if it was like an updated version, or ah, oh, you know, it's. I'm actually it kills me that they didn't. However, oh, no, I did, was. They did. For it. They did sneak in. Go Ninja. They did during the car shop Yeah, Vanilla Ice. Go Ninja. Go Ninja. Go. That's the name. Right. Vanilla Ice. Wow, three times. So you do hear it. Yeah. So it's um, it's cool, and of course, that is the rap. From Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to The Secret of the Ooze from 91. But yes, but the 87 theme or mm. the you know the theme song, we didn't get it. Do you know who wrote that song? This is a fun bit I mean, of trivia. Don't, don't quiz me on it, but you could tell me. It was written by Chuck Lorre, you know, the creator of The Big Bang Theory, Two and a Half Men, and oh, many, many other sitcoms. He wrote the Turtles song in the 80s. Fun is bit of trivia. Is that why Charlie Sheen's character in Two and a Half Men is like a jingles kind of music guy? Do you know what? Could be. Could be uh, because he did do a lot of a lot of jingles. But yes, we don't <laughs> get the 87 theme, but we do get a little bit of Go Ninja, Go Ninja, Go, which I thought was pretty fun. We've got to talk about the composers because we've heard these guys before. Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross... They've worked together on many of David Fincher's films, including Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Gone Girl, uh, Mank, which was that Netflix film with Gary Oldman. They've done other films as well, like Patriot's Day, Bones and All, Empire of Light, many, many more. And of course, this one. But just having these guys together, like, you know, you're not going to get just another score so we're saying how it's a bit of a shame the novelty of using the 87 theme wasn't there but the music that they've got going in this i mean trent Reznor, the lead vocalist of nine inch nails and then you've got atticus ross <laughs> musician record producer 
composer, audio engineer, the list goes on and on. And these guys together, it's just incredible. Like the fact that they are doing the music, doing the score for Turtles cartoon, I still can't get over it. <laughs> it's really cool. Like the music worked, like as in the score worked really, I think it worked quite well. There, there were moments in the, in the movie where I think they actually let the, and I hope this wasn't just a sound mixing error, but like they actually let the score just sort of dominate. Like it was like the, the, the sound effects kind of went down a bit. The dialogue went down because it wasn't important dialogue. It just went down and they just let the music just like tell the story and just let you immerse in the action stuff that was going on. I, was, I just found there was a, a few moments where I was just like, this is sick. And that's why it felt like it wasn't an error. It wasn't like something yeah. going on with the, with the the speakers. It was like, this was, this was cool. But even on that, like with the, on the soundtrack side, like with the music, like one of the, one of the things my wife said when we first got out of the moon, I was like, well, what do you think? You know, like, cause I was like, hell giddy and stuff. And she was like, you know what? Like that was a pretty sick movie. I really like the soundtrack. I like the music. And she's right. Like the songs, the song choices and stuff, you know, like we've got New York. Um, there's, and even if you, if you look at the voice cast and, you know, like there's, you know, a couple like, and you can tell by their voices, like, you know, you've got some, yep, a couple black kids, you know, like African American sort of upbringing. The R&B elements of the music, I think really worked really well. It gave sort of like this gringy, I don't even know if that's the right term, the like, gringy, grungy, like New York-y kind of, feel it almost gave like the world they were in a bit of character as well and i think they leaned into that and that worked also which is which is good so it's like music all around soundtrack score nailed it <laughs> absolutely and i can't remember i'm blanking on on the track they used there's the montage in the it sounds like a 90s track i'm trying to think whether it is but it fits perfectly you know but I'm, I'm, i can't remember what the song is but it works <laughs> I need to I'm watch so it a second time. Use, I'm just so glad they didn't use like you know, No Sleep for Brooklyn. Like it's like every I mean, movie, Beastie Boys. Yeah, movie. it's just it's uh, <laughs> every it's an movie set choice. in New York. Like, we, like oh damn, yeah. Looking at you, go, Mario Brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we can go through. I mean, the, yes, <laughs> we can go through the cast. I mean, it really is incredible, and we are getting so many characters from. Turtles, like so many villains in, in this movie. I mean, we mentioned Seth Rogen already. He's voicing Bebop. And I like the fact that Seth Rogen, live action, animation, he sounds how he sounds. And that's great. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's not like Seth Rogen, right, I'm going to do my best Bebop. No, he's just going to do Seth Rogen. And I'm absolutely you know fine. You know what, on that, I thought... Because I didn't, you know, I, I didn't look into who was voicing all these other characters and bits and pieces. And obviously it's like, I knew Seth Rogen was voicing, you know, someone. And I was like, all right, cool. It's a bebop. But then when it came to Rocksteady and I was trying to pick the voice and I was like, is Seth Rogen just doing both of them? And he's just doing something different. And I literally convinced myself the whole time that that was the case until I eventually found out it was John Cena. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> but See, that's it. I was like, that is an example of an actor doing a voice that is not their own. <laughs> because <laughs> John Cena does not sound like John Cena in this. And I didn't even even though I did know at some stage, completely forgot watching the movie, had no idea yeah. until completely forgot he he was in it. We've got Roseburn as a leatherhead. Usually a male character in the cartoon, 
from 87, voiced by Jim Cummings, who also voiced Genghis Frog, who in this is voiced by Hannibal Buress. Who else we got here? Uh, Cynthia Utrom, my Rudolph. I mean, the cast really is incredible. Ice Cube as Superfly. Oh, it's that yes. moment that he, I mean, start to finish. Ice Cube is yeah. solid in this, and it is a PG, and it's fairly safe <laughs> for the most part. I mean, when we get to the third act and his character mutates and all of that. Well, oh, you've got the gory, moment. Right? It, yeah, it does get quite dark. Well, you've got that moment, like the one swear word in the whole film when he's like, you're really starting to piss me off. And he puts so much emphasis on it. Like you get the anger, but it's sort of like, wow, there's your swear word. And they didn't waste <laughs> it. That was oh, a... that the weird the weird horse legs are just when you're talking. Horse legs, he's got like a giraffe horse. on his neck and he's... <laughs> and they've got the they've got the big that weapon that runs off. Yes, they've got the big weapon. It frees one horse, and he's got like a whale body, and it's all like the feel. And and that's the thing, like you know, again we said before, you know, the comparisons to Into the Spider Verse. I mean, that movie, the story, the motivations, the drama, the family dynamics, all of that, it's a lot more mature than what we get in this movie. That's okay because mm. this film doesn't need to be that. This film is a lot more stripped back it's a straightforward plot you know you can follow it easily but it does get yeah. darker towards the end but, but even, ultimately even but with just... all the dark stuff there's still so much levity you know like we've got you know the very youthful turtles you yes. get a lot of energy there and even with all these like other mutant characters that you know you've already sort of went through you get just like funny little moment i mean paul rudd voice voices mondo gecko and and he's great. Him, I was like straight away. I was like, "That's Paul Rudd." <laughs> like, I was like, "No, nah, that's him," because it's Paul Rudd doing Paul Rudd's voice. And again, it's just lots of just like he's just a. It, it's like he just rocked up and it was just like, "I'm just gonna be a happy guy because I'm Paul Rudd," and that's that's the gecko guy. You know, I did. Like, um, yeah, and he's got great rapport with Michelangelo. Those two characters together, mm. excellent. I did Best enjoy friends. in the. In the end credits, it has got you know all the you know the cast are coming up, and it's. I mean, despite I mean, Paul Rudd has been in the industry for thirty plus years. He's got over one hundred and thirty acting credits to his name, but it didn't stop them giving him a introducing credit, which I thought was I got you know was very probably funny. the biggest laugh yeah. just from I, me, just from me. No one else laughed. I was like, oh, I really enjoyed oh, that's that. A great gag, and of course great him. Gag. Seth Rogen, long-time collaborators, you know, yeah. I mean, yeah, they've done a lot of films together. I'm thinking 40-year-old Virgin. Paul Rudd was in that, wasn't he? I'm sure he was. Or did yeah. they first work oh, together knocked, on Knocked, knocked up. up? Either way, those two guys. Paul Rudd was in 40-year-old Virgin, sure. I think. Oh, my God. I think he was, but maybe he wasn't. I'm thinking of Anchorman 2, or, well, Anchorman 1 and 2, but I'm thinking Anchorman <laughs> Anyway, this movie, introducing Paul Wood, which, yeah, I thought was really, really fun. You know, I can't believe we've gone for a lot we have and not mentioned the facts that... I've been waiting. Jackie Chan, Splinter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, I just, I love embarrassing dad Splinter. You know, like when he's got the T-shirt, he's got the moustache, you know, before he's older and he's trained them to be ninjas as a way of self-defense everything was yeah, i really enjoyed jackie chan 
absolutely fantastic. When you've got the climax, uh, or even even before, even before the climax, and like throughout the movie, he's like saying, "Boys, like surprise party moment!" And stuff, yeah, but and he's yeah. like he's just warning them that the humans they will catch you and they will milk you, and it's like well, and milk what? you. What even have nipples? <laughs> I know, I know. Well, that's what happens. They do get captured. What was happening here? Nothing. We're milking you. <laughs> oh, it's yeah, it's, it's hey, so fun. What I found, what I didn't, I, I, I was surprised I didn't mind this. Like the, 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 the origin to at least with Splinter, like Splinter's origin. You know, like we used to have him. It's some interpretations. It's like he was the, you know, the human. You know ninja master karate you're thinking of the cartoon guys. where he was the sensei and yeah where he's sending other interpretations of, and i don't I can't, don't quiz me on where where it is from but you know he, he's the pet of he's a pet rat of you know like a a ninja master god guy this one it's like he legit is just a rat like no prior history he's just a rat he gets mutated just with like you know with the turtles but then it's it's because of his being protective over his sons and wanting to keep them safe that he's like i'm gonna learn i'm gonna learn the ways and then he just teaches himself it's essentially like self-taught like i'm gonna go on youtube and just like watch all these videos and again a lot more like live action footage and stuff but i, I don't know i liked i'm like okay cool this is interesting and i thought i would be mad but but i'm all right with it now, i like it too and even like the origin of like the the other mutants you know bebop rock steady mm-hmm. that's all that's all different but it's like we had like back to um, in there and stuff like there's it's all yeah and that's it and originally turtle mythology and stuff baxter and superfly were going to be the same character there was going to be a mutation they wanted to keep him separate i think that was the right choice but looking at this as ground zero so like there's been different adaptions, but this is the first of what they're doing right now. They've already confirmed a sequel. Paramount Plus, there's going to be a 2D animated series, Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. The four turtle actors from this are coming back for that show. It's going to be within this continuity. So I'm here for it because it's it's different, but it still looks like what's, what's come before. It's, it's just... It's a fresh yeah. take, but it's not I mean, that different. Like, it's like, hey, one too different. One of the biggest things that, you know, from the get-go is like, wow, that's really different, is April. Her whole look, uh, her ethnicity, The, I mean, she still wears yellow, but, like, the design of the character. And then in this, when you're watching it, like, her, obviously, she's a lot younger as well. She's not a reporter yet, you know, like, she wants to be, she aspires to be. But again, we're putting her her character in high school. I thought, and I, you know, I'm going in this with like, you know, predetermined things being like, you know what, this is probably going to annoy me, whatever they do with her character. Completely wrong. I'm going in there, I'm like, I'm watching this movie, and I'm like, damn it, this this character, I'm sold with her. Like, like great voice performance, charming character. What they're doing with her is interesting. They're giving her that high school element, not fitting in, you know overcoming all those kind of things then the interactions with the it worked really well great addition and the the changes they made really just worked for this movie and the story and type of film they're making absolutely well if you go back to the original comics kevin eastman peter laird 
although those comics were black and white to begin with, in the comics, April was African American. And then if you that actually blows my mind, really. And then that if is... you fast forward to Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the one they did before this, she was African American there mm-hmm. as well. So this is not the first time. So this movie actually ain't breaking no ground. I'm giving it way too much credit for doing something different when really they're not. I take it all back. <laughs> I do. I do like the um, the nods to the to the creator or the creators. Should I say? There's two locations in the film. April attends Eastman High School, and she interviews the turtles at a building with a sign reading "The Lead." So I thought that was pretty cool. Oh, a nod and to the creators. I think Kevin Eastman also. I think he just has a cameo voice. Just some New Yorker guy. I think it's the guy that comes up to to Splinter and is like, you know, "Hey, let me help you" or something. I think it's that guy. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so AIDS. Oh, that's what I was going to say mm-hmm. before the climax. I was getting Spider-Man 2 vibes and also the amazing Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield, New Yorkers right. sticking together. And it was a great yeah. moment because Splinter was <laughs> fearful, but then people were helping him because they recognized that although he looks different to them, he was helping them. And it's like, hey, we're going to help each other. We're New Yorkers. I enjoyed all of yeah. that. New Yorkers got to stick together. We got to, yeah, like those horses. Yes, just like those horses. <laughs> right at the end of the movie, the Shredder briefly appears in a mid-credits scene. Oh, yeah. So that's a, that's a big thing for a Turtles movie because you would think, well, the big bad's clearly going to be the Shredder, mm. but they decided to go with Superfly because they wanted the villain to also be a mutant, so therefore... You know, more of an understanding with the turtles, and is there going to be a period they where they're going to be on the same team before it all you know blows up and on opposite yeah. sides again? But the shredder I mean, teased for a sequel when it was when it was pretty evident that obviously like the shredder wasn't going to be a major player in this movie. I was like, and look, I would admit there there are some bits of this movie where it's like you know there's kind of a predictability thing, or like I can see what they're kind of I see where they're going with this. And I was like, oh, okay, I bet they're going to have a post-credit scene and I bet it's going to be a shredder tease. And what did we get? A post-credit scene, shredder tease. I'm like, yeah, cool. And it happened and I was like, yeah, sweet. <laughs> like, of course. It's what I thought. It's what I wanted. I was satisfied. And it's what I got. Yeah. Done. <laughs> okay, so if you're going to rate this movie out of five. <sighs> Look, fairly easy. Had a pretty damn good time. Um, animation's great, voice acting, what they're doing with the, you know, going younger, treating them younger, giving us like a coming of age story, John Huge vibes, like it's all it's all there. Um, the action is great. There's there's a lot of fun to be had. There's there's funny moments, there's charming moments, there's yeah, you're right, like it gets pretty dark and 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 grim and stuff, but there's always that levity that that's keeping us afloat. There, there's a bit of predictability in how the story kind of unfolds. Like I saw a lot of things coming, and there weren't like there were surprises, but not like a major amount. Um, but look, overall, look, a pretty damn good time. Um, but I couldn't do any better. But uh, I'd, I'd give it a, a good four out of five. Uh, maybe four point five. Nah, I'll give it a five. I'll give it a four. 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 Four out of five. Yeah, done. Yeah, I'll come in a little bit higher, 4.5. I'm happy happy with that. I mean, again, like, you know, the story is straightforward, but that's okay. It's a PG. 
kids movie. I just had so much fun with it. It really worked. You know, the look of the movie, the sound, whether it's the cast, the score, everything is here. You know, they get in a van that could be a future turtle van. We've got, you know, all the recognizable villains that we've known and loved since the 87 cartoon and going back to the comics. I had a really good time with it. It really is a lot of fun. It really is. I'm glad that we finally, finally got to watch it here in Australia on on the big screen. And I'm looking forward to what a sequel could be, you know, on the small screen, the 2D animated series they're working on. Good times. Good times. Well, that's it for our review of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem. If you haven't already, check out our other shows, Rewinding Review and Sounds Like Comics. Each of those shows also have their own Facebook pages. If you missed it, be sure to check out our recent review of Heart of Stone and stay tuned for our upcoming review of Meg 2, The Trench. You've been listening to Luke. And you've been listening to Jason. We're the guys from that film, Stu. See you soon.